Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And welcome to the Friday Special, a podcast by Guitar Nerds. Now for 2020, the Friday Special series is running every week. And each week I'll have a new guest from the world of guitars, amplification, effects pedals. We're going to have brands and producers and musicians. I am your host, Joe Branton, and I'm joined this week by Mikey Demas. Hello, Mikey, and welcome to the show. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks, man. (laughs) Yes, wonderful. Well, it's great to have you back because, of course, we've had you on on the... podcast a few times in uh, in many many different forms um, yeah. i guess you're a bit of a familiar face to uh, the guitar nerds community and and the entire guitar community i guess both from your success as a guitarist in skindred and now the launch of your pedal brand in redbeard effects yeah which All is pretty awesome of, uh, thanks man yeah this it's really awesome yeah, and you, you were kind of you, you were kind enough to come on the podcast when you were launching Red Beard Effects in the first week, first few days of the company's right. kind of being absolutely out and about with its first pedal when you when you launched the um, the the Red Mist Mark IV. That's right, um, which was great. So thank you very much for for coming on for then. Obviously, right. since then you you've released another pedal. You've now got the Honey Badger Octave Fuzz. Yeah, we released that at, um, at Nam this year and that's you know we were we had them both ready to go and we were kind of like which one do we put out first it was kind of like flip a coin because the honey badge is kind of crazy and we weren't sure whether to put something totally crazy you know out on out there first or, and just make people think what is this we thought well you know dr- drive pedals are kind of a good entry to to effects pedals and so we we, we launched the red mist and then came the pincer attack with the, <laughs> the honey badger in the new year yeah i guess that is the um it's, it's a good way to sort of uh set the bar for for an effects pedal brand coming in uh with with a drive because if you can do a good drive then you know you're, you're probably going to be good at other things as well it's a good essential pedal to have and of course the um the the red mist was met with you know a lot of positive feedback everyone seemed to really dig that pedal yeah we've had loads of really positive feedback about it it's um and it's tricky doing a drive because obviously um there's so many out there and how do you be how do you make it different how do you make it unique exactly there's every type of drive what do you go for 
that was do you, that, do you go for a high gain do you go for a transparent you know a marshal in a box yeah and it depends you know what kind of thing you're putting it into and what, the one i guess the one thing we didn't want to do was be all things to all people you know we wanted it to be a stand on its own two feet be its own thing be you know versatile with its within its own parameters um because you know so many so many drive pedals have like a you know well at least up to a point so many drive pedals just had like a tone control and it would kind of thinned it out or fanned up a bit but really wanted something with really versatile and powerful eq that could really demolish your amp or or you know or totally suck everything out some just something right. that was really really tweakable you know and um yeah it was it's a i'm really stoked with it it's everyone who's got one is kind of blown away with <laughs> with what you know what it can what it can do yeah it's definitely i mean it absolutely has its 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 very own feel and style it's certainly not something that's uh i mean this is as as uh, you know the other guys covered with you in the podcast before but it's mm-hmm. it's certainly not something that's like a another tube screamer clone or or really anything else like that there's nothing to compare this to it is very much a a red mist mark four and you have to hear the the this pedal to to understand I right. guess what it is. Yeah, we didn't uh, want to do any clones. We didn't want to. We didn't want to do anything that had, you know, been done a million times before. No, and I think and you've said you said that because you you run this this company with Adrian Thorpe from Thorpe Effects. Yes, it's a, a collaboration between the two of you, which is which is incredible. Um, you yeah. know, for, from the from from the consumer's perspective, to have to have Thorpey pedals, you know, in a in another brand, so even more sort of pedals being. You know, co- co-designed by Adrian Thorpe is a fantastic thing. I fell but, on my feet, man, because yeah, you know I'm, really I'm, an, I'm like a unknown. I'm a rookie. I'm an unknown, unknown quantity in the in the pedal world. So, you know, it would have it would have been a very different uh, endeavor if I hadn't sure. if I didn't have Thorpey sort of on side. <laughs> well, this is this is and um, this is one thing that you've you've mentioned before as well. I guess is you you were very keen for. Um, for Redbeard effects to be very much a British brand, a British built brand, rather than pedals that were uh, that that were made anywhere else, and mm-hmm. or um, you know these were all hand built British pedals that you know, actually they were incredibly ag- aggressively priced for for handmade British pedals as well, because you know certainly in the case of the Red Mist, what do you keep that down to like one fifty something like that um, around I th- there? I think the I think the red mist is one eight five. Oh, is it one eight five? Yeah, the, and yeah, the red, red mist is one eight five. I think the honey badge is one nine nine. Right, right. Yeah, yeah still, yeah, and uh, an incredible price point for stuff that's handmade over here. So yeah, we make everything ourselves. You know, I mean, like the the enclosures are made in the UK. You know, the all the all the pedals are built from from scratch in the UK, and everything's packaged sent out we do it all ourselves so it's very much a british endeavor so wow. so yeah and it comes they they come in their own little coffee bag as well <laughs> they do yeah they do <laughs> which is, it's it's a little is fantastic thing. yeah it keeps it keeps the freshness in which yeah, is uh, which is keep, excellent it keeps the freshness in for up to six months <laughs> and after <laughs> but, that but as a as a as a british brand as well just just the fact that you've you've got adrian thorpe on board as as someone who's really kind of the you know the head of the game at the moment in 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 British pedals. Like there's mm-hmm. there's almost no one you know more important. Dare I say, sort of making making effects pedals at the moment in in the UK. So fantastic that you've gone you've gone straight to the cream of the crop for that. <laughs> yeah, I lucked out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and of course you you've made Red Beard. You've been 
it's you've been very specific to make sure the two brands are very separated. So of course the chassis and the appearance are different, but the the ethos behind the brands are very different as well. Because you're the, this the idea behind Redbeard is that you're you can do the crazier things, I guess that that you might not see coming right. from Thorpey, which that are more um, incredibly more high quality functional pedals coming from Thorpey, and these are. These you can push the boundaries a little bit more, which of course you have with the Honey Badger. Yeah, the Honey Badger Octave Fuzz, absolutely mental pedal, absolutely crazy. It's um, well, I'm sure most you know most people listening to the to the podcast and the the guitar nerds community will have seen or heard of it a little bit perhaps, but it's a really really exciting fuzz with a switchable octave mode that has a blendable minus two or minus one octave so it's like two two sub octaves uh combined with a fuzz and it's really glitchy and an, um uh, monophonic analog sounding madness you know? yeah which is which is exactly what you want from a fuzz i love that the i love that you've got two octaves down on there this is it's like coupling a, an old boss oc2 mm-hmm. with uh with the fuzz you know yeah but, that, uh, that's the vibe really it's kind of a little unpredictable you know depending on where you play on the neck depending what pickup you use or how how aggressively you play it it can be really unpredictable it can be it can give really sort of smooth synthy kind of you know vibes depending on how you play um, yeah and yeah it's just one of those pedals that you kind of turn on for a bit of fun and then you realize that about 40 minutes has gone past and you're just kind of still <laughs> still noodling you know yeah. it's just it's kind of it's one of those ones that makes you just want to play which is and, which is great yeah and works just as well on bass as it does guitar which is yeah it's fantastic as, yeah, it, as it it's been really, sort of uh, widely um yeah. noted as being an equally good bass pad which is very rare for a for a, a, an octave fuzz yeah it tracks really well on bass um and it works re- a lot it works well on synth as well we found Oh really? Which is quite fun. Yeah, a, a, a fellow who bought who bought one, he uploaded a video the other day and he sent it to me of him putting it through a, an old analog synth. And I was watching it a couple of days ago, going, "Man, this is awesome." I mean, we we tested it on synths as well, but neither of us own anything particularly juicy. We've all we've got a lot of modern stuff, but no, neither of us have any old synths to right. to hand. So seeing people play through old stuff is kind of really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Wicked. But that's uh, that's it at the moment for for Redbeard. You're two two pedals into this brand, but it's still very much early doors, I guess. Yeah, we've got we've got um, some stuff that we're working on at the moment. We're we're working towards our next product, which you know, with the current climate, is kind of our goal was probably to release something next year at NAM. But given that NAM's a sort of unknown quantity now, you're not you know, will it happen or you know? Yeah. We, you know, we we it's bought us a bit of time, really, just to kind of line up all our ducks with that. So it's that's kind of a blessing, but you know, it's also a, it's also a shame that the world's on lockdown because, well, it's just a shame for everybody. It's just it's difficult, isn't it? But yeah, it's definitely been able to. It's allowed me to kind of work on some things, and I know Thorpey's. I don't know if his day to day's changed much. To be honest, that guy works all day, every day, <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, nothing's really nothing's really changed. No, well, I imagine you know. I think uh, most people are sat at home with nothing else to do other than buying pedals. So I imagine it's uh, yeah. It's, well, uh, if, if you know, if it's the first time in a long time I've sort of been forced to be in one place for any any long period of time. So you know, unfortunately, obviously my summer fell to pieces with with the Corona situation. Yeah. So absolutely. um. So you know. Which is, you know, 
major, major pain, but also it's quite a blessing just for some downtime and, you know, just a, a chance to focus on, on things at hand and work on stuff from home. So, yeah, hmm. which I've been doing. I've been building pedals like a nutter. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, uh, well, we'll be very excited to see uh, to see what comes out next from from Redbeard anyway, yeah. especially as you've got this kind of the downtime to um, to work on it mm-hmm. even more, um, which would be super cool. Um, the 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 Redbeard stuff, the two pedals you've released. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if this has been covered before, um, but were both pedals kind of a a, a choice solely? by by you as in were they things that you needed or used on your essential pedal boards or have you designed them to be more general or or have you are they are these are mikey demas pedals the latter is was definitely not what i wanted to do because you know respectfully to my band and our career at no point was i kind of like well, you know what, I'm a, I'm a signature artist and people are going to want to do what I do. Like, that's not really the vibe at all. I'm, I'm, all, I'm flattered that I, there are bits of, bits of gear out there that have my name on them. Obviously, it's incredible. And, you know, that's kind of a dream come true, really. But in terms of something, you know, that you're putting out there, you kind of want it to be a bit more versatile than just signature, so to speak. I don't know. Right. I mean, I, personally speaking, I never, when I was coming up, I was never really there weren't there were very few bits of sort of signature gear that were kind of that would light me up you know what i mean like you'd see people playing like steve ray vaughan strats and you know it just never really appealed to me to be honest no, with you. i know I never... what you mean it's always it's it's something that we we've spoken about before as well it's like you do you do you ignore it or do you get something because you're really into the artist but if you're getting it because you're really into the artist is that just a little bit sad like it's, it's I, a I guess fine more, line to tread more than anything for me what i wanted to do with redbeard was to make stuff that has a certain attitude towards you know it puts a certain attitude out there and you know depending on what kind of music you play or like what kind of guitar you play what kind of amp you play what what your vibe is it's suited more to certain kinds of people than others, you right. know, and it go, that's that goes for the kind of um, circuit designs we've 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 developed as well. It, like we were saying, we were at no point currently are we looking to to release a kind of transparent overdrive clone scenario. I don't think sure. you know. There's <laughs> plenty of people doing that really well, and you know, fair play. And you know, who doesn't love a clone? I do. But but it's not something that I would necessarily use for music that I play or you know the kind of stuff I'm into. So it was it was really just wanting to do edgier stuff. That yeah, it's definitely of, edgier. Like new new sounds, I think is is the kind of the, yeah. the red beard thing. There's not you're not trying to do vintage correct reissues of stuff. Not really, no. Just, you know, trying to push the envelope a bit of what a pedal can do or what you can do with an instrument that you plug into it. Because I just, for me, so many times a song or a riff or an idea it can be born out of a new bit of gear. And, you know, you'll get a new pedal or a new guitar, a new amp or something. And if it does something inspiring and different to anything else you have or anything else you've ever tried, for me, that's everything, you know. I'm not really looking... Well, I'm not really looking to 
to do anything which you switch on for three seconds of a song and that's it you know it's, yeah. it's kind of like this is the sound of this this whole song or this is the sound of like my main my vibe you know what i mean i don't know you're trying to make things that are an essential part of people's pedal boards I oh guess. that's well, that would be a dream you know like obviously something like the honey badger isn't always on pedal <laughs> you're, you're gonna have a <laughs> you can have a pretty crazy always on sound yeah. but totally like i wanted I wanted that pedal to like inspire a riff or just you know a sound of a record or just... well, that's what it is isn't it it's a riff machine that right. pedal yeah totally like it inspires that kind of like one stringy kind of up near the 12th fret playing you know it's sort of by by by, by happy accident really it kind of for me it's sort of reminiscent of like that kind of scott holiday rival sons you know octavi fuzzy drivey you know that kind of that kind of vibe things like that that kind of just you play you playing this kind of like rock and roll riffs on it on one string it just kind of adds a special quantity to it that's that's exciting and yeah. and groovy <laughs> yeah absolutely i think of it yeah that for that sort of sound always for me is like supercharged jack white that's that's exactly kind of the, and, that kind and that's, of thing that's what you want riffs that just yeah one string riffs with a load of octave fuzz. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Or, you know, it's great for playing lead on. It's sort of, it's wacky and it's inspiring. You just want, for me, I just like music that kind of makes you feel like a bit of a badass, really, you know. And, <laughs> and if a bit, of, if a pedal can do that to an otherwise fairly uninspiring tone, then that's that's great. Yeah. But, you know, and that goes for the Red Mist as well. You know, there's so much that pedal can do. It can turn a pretty plain clean amp or a dry, you know, a crunchy amp into something really, really over the top, and with the yeah. EQ on it, it's just it can transform things that you that you're kind of bored of into being really, really exciting. Yeah, both pedals need nothing more than like a clean pedal platform. Right. Like you don't have to, you know, obviously great if you if you want to add anything else to it, but you don't need anything other than the most sterile of sounds to then. Uh, you know to to get the most out of these pedals that's right and of course with the you know given that thorpey has designed all these things and you know we've we've sort of done it together but you know prototyping and tweaking things back and forth but you know that it comes with a an amount of quality that's kind of second to none really yeah yeah absolutely absolutely especially when as you say all the chassis are their own thing and they're made over here as well well this is it i mean when i started when i had this idea to do this i was kind of like you know, I could have gone down the road of buying a, a quantity of existing enclosures and I don't know, having them powder coated and coming up with coming up with some labels, that kind of thing. Because that's you know, that's fairly straightforward thing to do. But you know, when I met Thorpe, he was kind of no, 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 we're gonna go fully individual and custom here. I was like, from an engineering point of view, everything we've done, from like you know, the way the PCBs design, the components we use. The, the enclosures and the packaging, everything, we were kind of, we went all in. We didn't we didn't mess around with any of it. We didn't half-ass any of it. So I'm really proud of what we've put out there, you know. Yeah, absolutely, um, as you should be. Now, I um, I, I saw from uh, the internet, I don't remember where, probably Pedal Boards of Doom, that you were building yourself a little isolation pedal board at the moment. Yeah, well, that was, do you know, that was actually, um, that was actually one of our customers who, who's a bass player, actually. Oh, really? Who, yeah, oh, who right. recently bought a Honey Badger and loves it. But um, that was a, p- a picture he sent, oh. he sent over, and I've sort of been sharing that around just because it's, uh, people are chiming in with, you know, what's that pedal there? What's that pedal there? That kind of thing, <laughs> which is always good. But yeah, loads of people have assumed that's something I'm, I'm building. But I've, I, I am, I, I am building a, 
I am building an isolation pedal board. But I saw I saw the Kemper on there, so I assumed it was it was was a guitar you. player. Okay, yeah, yeah, because I do have Kemper stuff as well, but yeah. all that's under lock and key in the studio <laughs> at the moment in um, in Bristol, unfortunately. So yeah, I'm kind of at home with various bits and pieces. Thankfully, I do have enough stuff to to mess around with pedal board stuff, that's including cool. the the thing I'm most excited about is. Um, there's the two notes cab M right which um which we've got a couple of them um redbeard's got a couple thorpey's got a couple and i've sort of liberated one of them to have at home and obviously they um they just recently did an update where where you can uh, where it's added a preamp to to the uh to the what's on offer inside so you really only that's basically a pedal platform now that's one little pedal it's mad that they can just do that. Do that one update, and they've t- <laughs> they've they've changed what that product is. It's the beauty of uh, DSP, isn't it? You know, just, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're just going to completely revolutionise what the guts of this thing do. It's it's magic, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely magic. I haven't had the chance to get my head into it properly, but everyone's going. This is brilliant. So it's great because you know, even doing at the guitar show where we had, you know, as you know, given that it's a really noisy environment. We were, and obviously being at NAM for the first time this year was a big learning curve for me. And realizing that I needed some kind of bulletproof headphone solution for, you know, people wanting to plug into the, our pedals and check them out. The the two note stuff seemed like a no brainer. We just needed some kind of preampy vibe in front of it just to kind of absorb pedals and kind of just do that thing to make it sound less sterile. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And now that they've we we, uh, we actually used um, a small trees in front of the cabin, which we found to be really cool because it's got the you know it's obviously got the valve. It's like a valve gain stage before it hits the pa- um, hits the cab. Wait, and- I don't know about small trees. What? Yeah, I don't know about them. What are what is what is the small trees? The small trees is made by um, Audio Kitchen. Oh, I know about this. Yes, okay. Uh, it's the Audio Kitchen thing. Tell me yeah. about it anyway, though. Well, the, so the Big Trees is kind of like a really large format pedal, which is you know has a few valves in it, and it can be either a pedal or an amp. I've used that for 10 years, on pretty much on every record we've done. Really? Um, in the last really? 10 years, yeah. Oh, it's great. It's so cool. Um, it's just a really awesome, awesome, awesome guitar pedal. Um, it's you know they're not cheap they're quite expensive. Um, Seven hundred and forty nine pounds on Andertons at the moment if you're in the UK. Yeah, so the small trees is like the scaled down one knob version of that. So it's basically the best bits of it in one smaller box, and you basically got one gain knob I suppose. Well, I think it's gain or level. I don't know, but wonderful. Yeah, so basically that in front of um, an IR cab simulator, kind of it's a great system for just absorbing pedals because what you what you find with the digital stuff is if you have gain pedals in front of digital stuff then sometimes it clips the digital input and right. and so you get all this horrible you know clipping and kind of artifacting which isn't very pleasant to, no. to be playing with so something like the small trees was really great in front of a digital cab scenario to kind of soak up what the pedals do and it just makes it more real Right. Um, so yeah, we were using that. I was also using a Hudson Broadcast for doing that at the guitar show. Oh, another pedal. I, I can't get enough of the Hudson Broadcast. Yeah, I love that thing. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful pedal. Super cool. But which which one do you have? The the I've three got, or the four? I've got the four, four, the four knob version, like the the two foot switch job. Oh, 
what is the fourth knob? Because it's well, just that, a, there's just a gain switch on the three. Right, and it, it um, basically so there's a knob, there's two gain knobs. So there's a higher gain knob and a lower gain knob, and basically the foot switch switches changes the mode. So you kind of you've got kind of got two gain settings basically. So one foot switch turns it on and off, and then the other foot switch switch flicks between the gains. So rather than it being a heavy toggle that you have to bend down and go click, it's yeah. just basically you can have two separate settings and foot switch between the two. Uh-huh. That's very good. Yeah, and it's got those delicious um, Marconi style Neve esque knobs on it, which is. I'm a sucker for them. So. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, yeah, yeah, absolutely. If the Hudson Broadcast looked different, you would, uh, you might feel differently about it. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's great pedal, but God, it it just looks so cool. Yeah, the they um, very, very, very good at that Hudson, um, another uh, British pedal company, but very good at making pedals looking incredibly desirable. What's the other thing I have by them? The sidecar. Um, yeah. with their their lovely sort of stamped because it's a it's a plain simple you know Klon-esque chassis and then they just have like an actual like a top plate yeah like a top plate not stamped yeah a top plate with the with the name of whatever that pedal is very yeah. um so it's kind of like a scratch plate almost like a, so it's like three ply i think and or two ply and then i guess they must they probably laser through the top level so that it's white on top and black underneath and so it yes. exposes the the, the black underneath. Yes, very See, much so. I love my, that. Oh, sorry, engine, this is my engineering head here. So we, <laughs> we went through all these different all these different approaches. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a sucker for that, like, that, that functional uh, appearance, that, mm. that sort of, uh, uh, like, farming implement style thing. Like what yeah. Petty, Petty John Electronics have the, have the same thing, that sort yeah. of. Yeah. I, I want I want the gear that I use to look like it could kill a man if thrown, um, and uh, <laughs> that's the goal. That's, yes, exactly, and that's something that those brands and you know obviously also Redbeard and Thorpey managed to do incredibly heavyweight, chunky uh, pedals. Which you is, could uh, you could quite easily dispose of someone if you gave them a smart tap on the back of the napper with a Redbeard <laughs> Redbeard pedal. But you know you they're go. surprisingly light as well because yeah. they are made of aluminum. <laughs> mm, aluminum, yes, yeah, absolutely. I, I only recently learned that 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 those are that it's not a pronunciation thing; it is actually it's a spelling thing. And and in fact, we're wrong uh, that it was spelled that way first. Even if that is obviously incorrect to the rest of the periodic table, but nonetheless, it, it was spelled that way first. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, sucks. We're, we're wrong. So, yeah, tri- trivia. You've got it. Well, I mean, come on. Everyone's doing a quiz every other day of the week at the moment. You might as well. Uh, this is fodder for your quizzes, everyone. Yeah, this is a good one, actually. <laughs> I do two a week. I do one on Friday and one on Saturday with various different friendship groups. Oh, nice. And um, yeah, I keep getting, they keep taking the mick out of me because I keep, I win them. I win that one most weeks just because. <laughs> And I'm on my own, so um, you know, people are like people tell me I'm cheating, but I'm genuinely not. I just know loads of really useless information until quiz night, and then I come out of my come out of uh, come out of retirement to um, win the quiz. That is that's good, excellent. I've been uh, I, I I keep being made quiz master in in for for a couple of these things, but the only things I really know anything about are the movie Hook, the movie Jurassic Park. Um, and then just guitar stuff. So it's uh, people are getting quite <laughs> bored with the with the quiz rounds. It's so, now uh, my goal to get you on Mastermind to talk <laughs> about one of the two. I'd love to hear you talk about Hook. 
oh, in, yeah. with, with some level of um, authority and expertise. That's that's a that's a podcast all in itself. There, there is probably the single greatest movie ever committed to, <laughs> to film. Uh, Hook, I, I stand by that. Jurassic <laughs> Park in a close second, close second, but Hook, um, absolutely. The greatest I didn't know. I didn't made. know that about you. Now yeah. I know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> also, a massive fan of the uh, Three Men and a Baby and Three Men and a Little Lady classics. Um, uh, pair of films but outside of that i don't care about cinema i just care about those films which makes me incredibly four. yeah basically i'm incredibly boring i mean what else is there really <laughs> exactly there's there's nothing else to life anyway moving back to to guitar gear um so, so what what have you got at home at the moment that you can use um because um, i guess you you're you're relatively limited you won't have any of your kemper stuff don't have any Kempers, don't have any... I've got an, actually got an Orange Rocker 32 here, which is really cool. When it oh, goes yeah, quiet the, enough, we can... The, the combo. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is really cool. That's the only amp I have here. Right. Um, so that's cool. So I can actually... I've been using that. Um, are you using that for, like, writing stuff? Or are you, are you actually going into... Are you going straight into a door and using things bit, in there? A bit of both. I kind of... Just what, because I have various... I've got a, this great big desk, right? And basically I use it for about three different things. So I can either be in writing mode, writing and recording mode, or I can be in like soldering mode and building mode. And so right. the desk needs to be reconfigured every time. So <laughs> if I'm in soldering mode, right, which I have been quite a bit, um, and I just want to have a noodle and have, have a bit of a, you know, bit of a play and get some ideas down, it's orange. I plug just straight into the orange and have a go and do, do that. But if I'm, I've also was doing some, doing some Skype or Zoom lessons in the... Oh, yes, I saw this. Yeah, so for that I was using... Um, because, you know, obviously it was... Um, given that I'm, I've got neighbours, I don't really want to be blasting <laughs> guitar amps or, you know, all hours of the day. So I've been doing stuff through a door and I've been using um, STL Tones uh, plugins, which has been super awesome. Yes, didn't you... you... You picked up some uh, that yeah. you mentioned just before we tuned in. Yeah, so I downloaded the um, the Howard Benson suite, right? Which is kind of it's like five amps. There's you know there's like a there's like a Bogner in there that's kind of high gain, and there's a bunch of Marshalls over sort of a crunchier, and then there's a couple of clean amps. Well, and you can kind of flick between what capture. It's really cool. It's just a good sort of rock rock and roll right. platform for kind of going. I want a good guitar tone quickly without having to fanny around too much. And so that's been really cool. Um, and then I've sort of got my hands on everything STL tones do. So wow, that's, sort of, that is a lot of stuff. Yeah. It's a bit Even when it to comes to impulse responses alone, they do an incredible range. Yeah, there is loads. So I'm sort of sifting through that and um, picking out what's, what's my favorite. And it's a lot, it is a lot, but it sounds brilliant. You know, there's no latency. It's really cool. Um, uh, user interface I'm into it and obviously there's a lot of that stuff out there but this is kind of my first foray into just software based um, yeah well of, of, of recent times anyway I, right. know, everyone had amp farm back in the day but, <laughs> but this is the, the, my, this is my my this current is your first setup. return to that wow well yeah I mean I've 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 got a couple of plugins in I've got I've got um, a Marshall Plexi that's in my universal audio interface, ah, yeah. um, which Very is cool, good. which is cool, and that's great for pedals and stuff. But I, I sort of lacked a, a high gain kind of. This sounds distorted enough to kind of do drop 
detuned sort of riffing stuff. Uh-huh. And so the STL tone stuff was just pretty immediate with that. And That's obviously, cool. there's loads of stuff out there. I know the neural DSP stuff is killer. Um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of talk about that uh, at the moment on the internet. That seems to be every third post that I flick through on any social platform is neural yes. DSP at the moment. Everyone seems to be getting very involved. Yeah, and obviously, there's a lot of kind of music which lends itself towards that. I don't, you know, my vibe isn't actually massive saturation, tons of gain, tons of, you know, really uber sort of sounds it's more like i like pushing an amp to what it can do you are relatively traditional in in your you know as soon as anyone's in as soon as anyone's in a metal band you'd think it would be a, a very modern sort of ta- sound but i think tonally you're, you're actually very traditional and you're right in that you're you, you you're pushing amps in a to the their extremes in a very vintage sense of what what an amps extreme is right i mean it's it's because i'm old man <laughs> i don't <laughs> i don't get any of this news i don't understand it it's too many knobs i don't understand <laughs> it's about when i came when i was coming up you know and uh marshall jcm 900 was cutting edge you know what i mean so i had <laughs> yeah. had one of those for years um and then it's kind of just i've never really moved on from that just having an amp which does which has a, a good amount of pre preamp gain on board to, that you I don't you make use of all of it obviously but you know the the rocker verb once I sort of discovered the rocker verb and when I hit onto them they were kind of at the mark two stage and I was like yeah this does everything straight away without having to mess around and then obviously we've got the mark threes now as well which are great it, wait wait which was was the mark two the one where they got rid of the middle control I want to say that they and then they brought Got it back the... for the third one. Yeah, the the current ones have a middle. Yeah, that's right. So I think there was one in between where they got rid of it and then decided to add it back in. Which yeah, I was I'd... very happy about. Yeah, I don't really find the clean channel on the Mark II very usable, to be honest. Right, it was kind of I don't I don't tend to do a lot of clean stuff really. Sure. I tend to do it with the with a guitar again, like just coming up with a with an amp that did one thing for the most part. I think my my I had a JCM nine hundred and it was broken, like it would only do one channel. It didn't. It, I think it had like two volumes in it, and it would only do one. Okay. So any kind of clean stuff would be neck pickup, volume down a bit, <laughs> right? Kind of deal, and that was as clean as I would get. That's great. So, no, no, I prefer that. That's cool. <laughs> so yeah, so with the rock verb, it's kind of set it as nasty as you want to get, and then just sort of turn the guitar down a bit, and then yeah. that, seemed, that seemed to do the trick. <laughs> but nowadays, I'm kind of, I, I'm I'm late to the party, but I'm all about a really juicy clean amp and then doing stuff with pedals obviously uh-huh. which is why i kind of came to it was it was that it was i've said it a million times on i think i've said it on this you know with with your guys podcast but just being faced with a really clean amp in a situation where you don't want a clean sound and then needing a pedal to do the goods um which was how sort of the red mist was born really right and it, that was in answer to your question earlier is you know we have gone around the houses significantly but coming back to that um yeah, it, the the pedals that we we ha- we developed so far were kind of a marriage of things that I wanted and things that Thorpey had in the the periphery of his of his uh, designs and ideas and things he wanted to to do, and it's kind of just come together like that. Where you know where I the Red Mist was a really versatile medium to high gain kind of drive pedal which you can tweak to make you know sound however you want it yeah which is perfect for me because you know being stuck in europe with random guitars 
Well, re- well random guitar amp, sorry. Yeah. Um, and trying to make them do the thing was uh, quite quite difficult unless you yeah. had something to spice it up. And so many sort of drive pedals just, I don't know, they weren't weren't preferable. So, yeah, you know, the Red Mist was kind of a bit of a development of that idea, a bit of a development of a of something he was working on, and we came together, and that's what was born. The same sort of deal with the Honey Badger, really, given that I really, I'm obviously a big fan of Octave Fuzz, but every man and his dog does one that does an octave up. And, yeah. <laughs> and you know, which I love, totally. I've got, I just bought um, off... Uh, of Dan Hall, who does 15 second guitar demos. Mm. I just bought, um, uh, Dr. No, Troy Van Leeuwen, Octavia off him. Oh, wonderful. Which is so awesome. Yeah. Tons, tons and tons of headroom. So radical. So cool. It's yeah, it's really loud and it's really exciting. It's just one of those turn on and it's just having all the fun. Yeah. But yeah, no, there were so many of those out there. We just wanted to do something different and, you know, we could, like you brought up the OC OC two was one of my favourite pedals. The blue box was one of my favourite pedals, but we wanted to make something that was like a usable version of, the, of those because again, the blue box is kind of it's unpredictable. But I found my beef with it was that unless everything on that was maxed out, it didn't really do anything. That's an excellent point. I'm a big fan of the blue box, but yes, the blue box is. It's not like you got options with that pedal. No. Um, that's and and you were totally right. You need to you need to just turn it up, and then it sounds wonderful. Mm. But because anything it, less than maximum on like the volume or whatever, yeah, the level, it just it's, it cuts your level. Do you know it? T- it took me a while to work that out. I thought it was a bad pedal for quite a few years because yeah, they're, they're I, I suffered from that twelve o'clock syndrome yeah. where you know you don't want to turn it past that because that would be silly. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but well, yeah. that's it. All our all our pedals are like designed obviously to sound good at midday but any you know i think the honey badger even i think even at midday the level is a it's so is boosted. a boost yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's such a loud pedal um, it was the, the first you know the first proper iteration of it we had um i think it was it, we 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 tweaked the output on it because I just wanted it to be louder, basically, and have right. loads of a silly amount of headroom <laughs> because it was kind of like you had to get it up to about three o'clock or two, about two o'clock to be, um, you know, anything past there was like audibly boosting. Right. And it was, you know, we we kind of looked at each other we're like, nah, this needs to, we need to, it needs to be like 11 o'clock is kind of where, you know, normal volume is. And then anything past midday is like core blimey that's loud. yeah for for a pedal that's supposed to be as crazy as that that's that's absolutely the right decision yeah you just want it to like you know you want your hair to be like blowing around when you play it <laughs> yeah but really interesting that actually they were that both of them you were you were thinking of them in mind of a of of a clean amplifier because that's very much that is more i know that you're obviously saying that you're quite happy with that as well now but that that seems to be the thing at the moment everyone's kind of realized that actually you can you know, move towards this clean platform and do everything, tailor everything else rather mm-hmm. than being stuck with whatever, you know, a particular amp or anything offers. You it, can. It's, it's two things, really. It's realizing that I was stuck with certain bits of gear that I just was used to. I think it's a mindset of being left handed or playing left handed oh, guitars course, is this yeah. kind of, this is what I've got, this is what it does. And it's kind of, I've never really had that mindset of, I need to go out there and find my thing and 
really explore. I've kind of just got what I got, made it work, made it awesome, and just done my thing with it. Right. Especially, ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Obviously with guitars, especially with, you know, and then with amplifiers as well. Effects has always been my platform to kind of experiment. Um, and then and the, other, the other thing for me was I got really turned on to like the clean amp thing by a producer that we were working with who we'd done various records with and it was always a fight because i'd come into the studio with this like higher gain head and be like this sounds awesome and then he'd be like <laughs> no 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 no, less gain less gain less gain and we'd had a fight about it and then he you know his one of his amps of choice was like this master volume marshall that was um what was it no it was um it wasn't master volume it was um it's kind of like a Honestly, it was like a JTM. Anyway, it's a very loud Marshall that you right. have to really pummel to get to distort. You know, one of those like <laughs> really un, you know, yeah. unhealthily loud ones. And right. we'd spice it up with pedals. Um, and that's where I kind of got into the idea of running a cleaner amp louder and letting a pedal sort of change the sound of it, like the front yeah. end. There's and, something to be said for that organic headroom, I guess, provided by a... Yeah, yeah, because you know you kind of obviously when you hear a guitar come off come off a speaker of a record, it's compressed and there's all kinds of stuff going on after the fact. But that when you're in the studio, kind of recording to studio monitors and doing that, you want something to be massively inspiring. And a lot of the time, there's like you say, there's like that organic massive amount of headroom that's just it does something to the guitar being big, and being the only guitar player in my band obviously you're trying to cover a hell of a lot of bases yeah absolutely and so yeah i've I've sort of come around to the the clean amp thing obviously i use various different things live now but this whole clean amp vibe with a really spicy pedal in front of it to sort of smash it to bits um i'm kind of there and it, it's good timing because we have one on the market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, speaking of kind of amplifiers for live use, and we, we obviously when we've had you on the podcast in the past, we've talked about your your live sound. But I'd be interesting to hear if it 
if it's changed much since then and and exactly what you're using for sort of live shows because you're kind of a guy who uses Kemper and Orange. Yeah, I've sort of I've um I've mixed it up a bit over the past couple of summers. I've sort of started using Kemper a fair bit for fly-in stuff for the you know for the same reason of just consistency really. Right. But again, it's now gotten to the point where because you know like most people I'm on the ever never-ending quest. I've kind of um kind of found a a readily available um thing to get in the in in Europe and in other places is oh, what kind of what is it it's a it's a very it's a this is a certain kind of orange head i can't remember what it's called now but it's it's a lot cleaner and it gets really loud and sticking pedals into the front of that is glorious not the is it an or uh, yeah it? it might be an you, or 50 it could Possibly. be the or 50 yeah that's yeah it's silly loud and um it's a great pedal platform and finding like you know drive pedals in front of that is kind of blowing my mind a little bit ah so right. yeah, but so kind um, of a return to the more organic side of things. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of constantly mixing it up, much to the deepest chagrin of our front of house engineer. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, that's and yeah, big, still... big fan of the Kemper. You know, I, as a company, I think they've really supported guitar players in a very positive way by not continuously changing the hardware and just offering <laughs> yeah. free updates you know yeah. like you know like with the two notes stuff it's just hey, hey hey guys now this product you bought does twice as much for free boom have it yeah that's absolutely madness that is madness the two notes thing is is uh yeah is, is an incredibly awesome thing but, but what, what made you choose kemper at the time because of course there were there were plenty of other alternatives you know you could have gone with axe effects i guess around the time that you started using kemper you, the first line six helix iteration was probably around um so i've never tried a line six helix as of yet I'd love to. I haven't managed to do that yet. Just not enough hours in the day. But I was using Axe FX for a good period of time on the road because basically it was a one box solution just to do effects and stuff in front right. of an amp. And we were doing all kinds of stuff with MIDI at the time. And it was a more affordable, a more affordable solution for time-based effects and stuff like that all to work in sync with one another without having all kinds of points of failure in a, in a guitar rig it basically was kind of you know less stuff to go wrong was yeah. the, was the idea which is what got, got me into the idea of using some digital stuff however my um my beef with it was that it was incredibly hard to program um you know once you got your head around it it was you kind of got it you had to speak the language but it was incredibly hard to back up and to restore and to maintain I seemed to be the only person I knew who could figure it out. And I had, <laughs> I, I, no joke, I had guitar techs from some really big bands emailing me and going, how do you do the, this thing with the Axe Oh, no. How do you, yeah. That's, that's, that's not a sign of... Uh, of that's, you know. th that's the truth. And, wow. And I think it's a kind of a transatlantic divide where guys in the US were a bit more familiar with the Axe Almost nobody in the UK that I, could, that I was working with knew anything about how it worked so right. basically moving switching to Kemper was kind of like my guitar tech advised it and it's the first time I've really sort of really taken a guitar tech's advice in that sense <laughs> of my own to be like shut up I know what I'm doing but no it was just a kind of these work great for touring these work great for you know fly shows and you can take your your whole 
the whole set around on a USB stick. And it's it's worked out really well for that. But it it's not, you know, it's not ideal for certain things. Um, but it takes pedals well. And yeah, but, you know, they're readily available. And I just, I like the company ethos that they've not, they've not continually changed the hardware, unlike Fractal, where, you know, who have continually changed the hardware. Yeah. And, you know, even as a consumer, I just wasn't down with that, really. I just thought... I think it's a, it's support. it's one of the risks with digital stuff. Having seen, I appreciate we've now moved into kind of a new digital age where they're where digital amps are being very much taken much more seriously than maybe mm-hmm. they were a decade ago. Mm-hmm. But it's certainly a risk, you know. I I think of I think of the people that took the plunge on the GT one hundred, uh, you know, even even stuff like that. But yeah. it's you know, I'm like, wow, I would hate to be in that position because I think I still use some pedals and bits and bobs that I bought 15 years ago but if you if you get into the digital side of things then that product that you bought 15 years ago is is you're not going to be able to update it and it's going to be so outdated yeah in that time so I think that is the risk going digital is that how long will this last it does this have the lifespan of an iPhone? Absolutely. And from a business model, I suppose, the people making things like that, kind of that's something they have in mind. You know, I've recently bought three adapters for my MacBook Pro, which has set me back loads of money because yeah. you have to do that. And that's <laughs> yeah. great for Apple, but it sucks for me. And, you know, it's the same with certain certain companies who continually change their hardware. It doesn't really work for me. Um, and, you know, one of the biggest reasons for anyone to buy anything is what's the resale value of this thing yeah and yeah, you know the, that's the very reason i sold my axe effects stuff was because i saw the value of it dropping and they released they released the axe effects th- just before they released the three i think i just got rid of it ah there you go yeah well yeah and you know that's what i do like about the kemper kemper because they've i know that when they do bring out a new one it will be significantly different obviously they yeah. did the floor one which is really cool the floor is the first time i got very excited about kemper right um that that for me i, di- I didn't like the idea of having to buy both both pieces separately for yeah. sort of nearly the same price no and i you know i, I noodled around with the ax the axe eight like the floor based uh-huh. access thing i had that had one of them and had that for like clinics and things like that that i was doing but yeah it just again really hard to edit really hard to do stuff with I, i've i haven't got my hands on a kemper floor thing yet i don't know what it's actually fit officially called but i haven't haven't tried one mainly because i'm sure it's awesome i know it'd be awesome but You've i wouldn't got, be using yeah. yeah i've already got already got um two kempers and just and I guess is your stuff done off stage? Is your pedal work done? That's off stage? The, that's the main thing. Is yeah. I don't I don't like having audio on stage. Right. Yeah. Basically, I just want to have like MIDI, controlly things on stage. So we've got I've got a pedal board off stage that's got a few pedals on, ones that you can't really recreate with anything digital. Right. Like I've, it's got a whammy on it. It's got a space echo on it, like the Boss pedal. You know the RE twenty. The RE twenty. And what else has it got on it? It's got um oh it's got obviously it's got red mist on it, it's got honey badger on it. <laughs> obs obs. Um and yeah, that's it actually. It's just those four. But and um everything else pretty much I think I do a, you know, there's a few reverbs that happen in the Kemper, a few a few delays that happen in the Kemper, and other than that, yeah, everything else is um yeah, it's just a few pedals into the front of a a, a relatively clean sounding 
guitar amp in the Kemper. I believe it's uh I believe it's um I believe it's a Marshall. I think so. Oh really? That's... Yeah, I think that's one I'm sort of most most favorite favoriting at the moment. But um yeah. I I, I go back and forth. I, I I profiled my whole rig, my whole orange rig. And um that's that's something I lean on as well. But um for for really getting the most out of the red mist and things like that, it's sort of it's it prefers a, a cleaner amp right. versus putting it in front. If you put the red mist in front of something super gainy, it's going to go crazy. Oh my god! Yeah, it's just a, it's, <laughs> yeah. A, it's overkill. It's too much. I never thought I'd say that, but it is too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. In, in testament to the the Kemper, um, I've, I've probably said this before on the podcast, but um, uh, my guitarist Tim, a massive technophobe, no, no good with anything like that. Um, I I. I borrowed a, a Kemper and, and lent it to him once when we were in a studio just because he needed to track guitar in the same room as the drummer, etc. You know, whatever. So it needed to be a, a silent rig just with him on, on headphones. Mm-hmm. So I just let, I, I showed him how to flick through the presets and I was just like, just get, it's just guide guitar, get yourself a rough sound. And he found one that he liked and, um, and you know, without him knowing anything about it, I was like, "Okay, what what one did you use?" And he was like, "Oh, it's uh, this one. It's called the Rocket Dirty, and uh, which is the Orange Rocker Thirty, mm-hmm. which is the exact guitar amp that he played through at that time." And right. I just thought it was an incredible testament to Kemper that this guy who didn't know anything about it, essentially blind testing, found his exact amp on the Kemper and was like, "Oh yeah, this sounds great." Wow. So uh, yeah, so there's some familiarity there. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So really, you know, excellent job of Ken. Because I'm, I'm never sure about that with with any of the modelling things. Like I'm flicking through, and it's telling me that it is this amplifier. But you know, I like. But is, I think is it's it, a, is, I think it's a user versus like end user kind of argument where I see so many people, you know, complaining about using digital stuff, using modelling stuff, and I totally get it. Like. Yeah, there's no substitute for having a hundred watts behind you of real tube guitar amp going nails into your trousers. Like, there's no <laughs> substitute. It's the best. It's the best thing ever. Yeah, you know. But from a when you think that if you're playing any kind of any kind of live thing, with you know, and obviously I'm speaking from my own experience here. This isn't like, come on, guys, get on board. Like, I obviously realise <laughs> that I, I play some big stages in front of some big crowds and I play some small stuff in front of small crowds. I do, do all kinds of different things. And a lot of people just, a lot of people play in front of smaller crowds. Some people play in the bedrooms, yada, yada, yada. I get it. I'm talking about for, for me here. Um, for me, the argument is that the person in the festival field who's sort of had three pints and is jumping up and down, they're not bothered. <laughs> and so... I'll take it. I always joke about it. I say like anyone who can, anyone who can sort of pick the difference between like in the crowd, who can pick pick the difference between real guitar, you know, or, you know, guitar amp, real tube amp, and the modelled a good, a good, well dialed in, good modelling tone, then you know, I'll refund that person. <laughs> they can have their money back, and they'll never, never darken this show again. Wow. <laughs> but no, I, I'm, I agree. You know, I've, I've, I. When I was 18, I had a 4 by 12 and a big heavy Marshall, and I've had something in some various different formation of that ever since. And it's the best. It's what everyone wants is this great big loud guitar amp. If you're playing like rock or rock and roll or, you know, that's what got me into it is just big loud guitars. And um, 
and then obviously from a technological point of view where you have lots of needs that you need to do to travel around the world and or travel around the country and you need it to be the same every night and you're using in-ears and doing all that stuff and you're trying to up your performance and your show is like your bread and butter and you want that to be as good as it could possibly be you know moving a microphone off axis or by five millimeters can completely ruin your night yeah it's like you know this is awful what's happened it sounds sounds atrocious where the amp sounds great but the mic's sort of pointing yonder and it doesn't do the thing anymore so you know all the digital stuff kind of just takes that away eliminates issues potential issues yeah 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 you know some people like making bolognese and it's different every time but some people want it to be the same every single time (laughs) and you know be like consistently good and or consistently good enough to put a smile on someone's face every time and so it's you know, it depends what school of thought you are, really. Yeah, of course, absolutely. I mean, yeah, the I, I came to that conclusion, even at the level of shows that I play, I, I came to that conclusion long ago, which is why I still use the Boss MS3, mm-hmm. you know, for virtually all my tones, because I realised whilst at home, yes, you know, on the shelving unit behind me, I, there are last stock check 230-something effects pedals, but mm-hmm. I don't want to risk patch cable issues control knobs being knocked and me not seeing on a dark stage yeah. things like that or yeah. i run everything digitally it's relatively simple sounds that i've got you know clean drive a little bit of crazy vibrato and a ring mod you know if, if you can run all of those internally and and not have to worry about the risk of anything going down then realistically at a show when you're playing to a load of a load of drunk people then you know, by all means, on a record, I will always bring that stuff along. But but for for live shows, I would much rather not do that thing where you've got to you know get down on the floor in the middle of a in the middle of a set and try and um, try and troubleshoot a pedal yeah, board that's try and stopped bring making your, noise. Bring your tone back to life or whatever. No, yeah. you just don't need it. But you know, um, that's why I keep everything off stage as well. Just, <laughs> yeah, of course, you know, yeah. just the you know pedals are in a, on a shelf; they don't get touched. They just come on and off. You know, various pedals are pretty much always on for the most part, um, and the you know the amps sound of thing the amp side of things is the same. So consistency for me is everything, and you know, absolutely. Uh, and you know, something like the Honey Badger, as as, as of yet, like no, no modeler. I know does anything like that so you know which is why you want one stuck in front of whatever it is you're using because absolutely yeah it just sounds crazy and weird and that I guess the crazy and the weird stuff the really analog stuff is is what that stuff struggles I you know I've obviously used the whammy forever and it's a big part of a bunch of songs we play and I kind of you know I'm not not stoked on some of the ones that are in in the box with some of those modeling things so so a weird one the whammy isn't it and it's something that i haven't really found a decent digital replication of anywhere whether it's in a something that i've got in an in an effects pack you know with a door or whether it's a mm. you know i don't know something that's built into whether it's helix or or the boss software on the gc1000 or anything like that it's weird really because it is a digital pedal you know completely and yet it's something about the chips that were available in the early 90s on the Whammy One that they st- they either stopped making. Or, I don't know. Don't know what happened. I get it, it's kind of like the digital equivalent of why the Memory Man's so awesome because you know getting those chips for a Bucket Brigade style yeah. analog delay. If it's not them, it doesn't sound the same. And it, I think I assume it's the same with the Whammy. It's just the way the way that thing's made. You know the yeah. the, the the guts of it 
were that's the special sound and i'm not really a massive fan of like the um, polyphonics whammies since it's it's the glitchy stuff that it does yeah which makes it special you know that kind of, like you say that kind of jack whitey kind of vibe um for me and even though yeah i think he's he's a whammy four i think but um i've, I've got a couple of whammy ones and they stay at home they don't go out i, I, I use a whammy four and a whammy five which can switch between monophonic or polyphonic and i always have it on monophonic because that's the that's the glitchy sound. Yeah, of course. It's the imperfections that make perfections. Yeah, and none of the modelers do it. They're just sort of all their whammy sounds too perfect and they're all often polyphonic, which is great if that's what you want. You know, if you want to play a big chord and it sort of sounds, you know, like the Pog does. The Pog's a great pedal, but I've never, I never grew up with a Pog, so I never really... Oh, really? Right. Yeah, I never. I, I only just got a Pog 2 in like the last that would four just or five be... years part of your arsenal i guess the, yeah the i never came two. to i could never afford it i'll be honest yeah. like <laughs> a pot like the big box pog was really expensive and yeah i guess it was you know and then when they i like i said i only just got a pog two like in the last what, four or five years and it's right it's great but it's kind of a bit late now because i've kind of <laughs> found other things to do you know yeah. do everything like, does that now <laughs> yeah, it's, you know but the i'm a big fan of those like glitchy analogy kind of octave sounds um, you know, which is why I, I can't really do without a whammy right. on the board. You know, I, I, I've, I own a space echo, which is, I love, but that's not obviously not going to come out on the road. I'm not Matt Knight. I'm not crazy. <laughs> uh, so I use a pedal based version, which, which does the job, you know, it does, it does more or less what you expect it to do. It doesn't do like the actual tape skipping around and getting all knotted up inside and then you have to repair it, but it does do the sound of a space echo consistently. Yeah. And you know, so it's about it's sort of the trade-off of consistency, sounding the same every night, and the excitement factor, like the the secret source um, of glitchy weirdness, which is why yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely, whammies and honey badgers get me all get me all excited. <laughs> you know, you play the same thing as good as you can every night, and hopefully it sounds just about the same. But it's that kind of scronky weird glitchiness, which is like the. That's the stuff that gets me going anyway. That's I don't, I don't want enough to... for rock and roll, yeah. Yeah, I don't want it to sound perfect, you know. No, but, absolutely. You know, I'm there to mess things up. That's the that's that's why I'm there, just to kind of throw a guitar around, pick a fight with it. You know? That is that is exactly what rock and roll is supposed to be all about. Yeah. And we, um, before you know, we're, we're we're getting on for the the end of the podcast at the moment, but I, but I, I want to talk about guitars a bit before we go. Cause yeah, spoken about any of those now. Yeah, again, you came on the podcast when I think you first had your your the the Manson MD one um, yes. released, which would have been back in like 2018, I guess that. Yeah, that, I think that it was 2017, end of really? 2017, beginning of 2018. Wow, this it's been around a while now. It might but, have um, been the year before that. You know, I don't know. God, I don't know. Wow. But, but I want to talk about that guitar again, and I want to talk about you know I was going to ask you if you've bought anything new, like what your guitar collection's up to these days. Because as a as a left handed player, yeah, um, you know obviously it's it's, a, it's a, a touch trickier. So I imagine when you find something awesome that you buy it. Absolutely yes, and I also um, I, do you know since the last time we've probably talked guitars like in this context, I have gotten rid of a lot of stuff. Yes, you did it. You did a big old sale. I remember it was probably maybe a year ago, maybe longer than that. Now you 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 sold through a lot of stuff. I yeah. can't remember if it was Reverb and or eBay, but yeah, it was Reverb. I did a, an artist shop with Reverb. And oh yeah, that was it. Sold about 20, 25 guitars probably. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, various things, you know. And I, I, my goal was to whittle stuff down to a right. keepable, <laughs> maintainable amount of gear. And I'm still not completely there, to be honest. <laughs> you know, I've got sort of, I've got guitars here, there and everywhere. And I did another count the other day and I think I'm still at like 17 or something. I wanted to get it down to like five and not including like my life. Five? Yeah, like, you know, like five that you keep at home. Right. Oh, okay, fine. You know, I mean, I'm always going to have like, (laughs) always going to have guitars that live in a lockup for, (laughs) you know, touring and writing and stuff like that. But in your downtime or, you know, when you want to, stuff that kind of is special and lives in the case most of the year and doesn't, you know, you bring out for Christmas, that kind of thing. And um, stuff you're never going to part with. So I've got uh, 74 Les Paul Custom that I'm not getting rid of. I've got a seven. Lovely. Yeah, I've got a seventy. What, what, what finish? It's black. 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 No more black. It's super awesome. Weighs a ton. Wow. Love it. It's that like sounds a, like my absolute dream. Yeah, it's the fretless wonder kind of deal. It's the twentieth anniversary model. Right. I believe wow. it says that at the twelfth fret, but it's kind of almost illegible now. It's kind of worn oh, away. Yes. Yeah, and it's kind of battered. It's you know, I have what they I think what they call like player grade guitars generally. Yeah. I don't really do well with keeping anything pristine. I obviously think PRS and things like that are beautifully made, but I'm just, I couldn't have them because I just ding them, you know? Yeah. You smash like a ring into them or like you knock, you knock them on something or open a beer on the corner of one or something <laughs> like that. That's, that's what happens. So you, there was a, there was a Les Paul custom released by Epiphone and I'm glad that I can't remember the name of the person who had it released, but they had a, a bottle opener uh, fitted to the back of it. That's quite so, cool. I can't remember who it was, but that was a that was great. I that's mean, that's pretty was smart. Yeah, that's very smart. I mean, if you're not using your teeth, then yeah, you know, <laughs> then you know why. But yeah, yeah the, I've, I've got a '78 Telly that's really cool. Again, that's black, 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 which is really cool, and that's battered. Um, that's staying. I've got my Rattacaster, which is like my silver Telly. That's the one that you. Parts is that caster. the parts caster that you put together your, yeah. your, yourself? Yeah. I think that's because I think the first time I met you was uh, like two thousand and maybe two thousand fourteen when I was working with Total Guitar. You wouldn't remember, but I was I was working with Total Guitar and you did a me and my guitar interview at Download Festival. I was doing the sound. Ah, uh, yeah, I remember. Um, so, I remember, I remember. So, yeah, the, but I think that's the guitar that you you brought along for. Uh, for that interview, actually. I'd actually had um, it was my spare, my main spare that I did oh. use that for that interview, which was a blonde version of that same guitar. It was the same right. idea. It was a, a telly body. I think that was actually a Japanese telly body with right. a Highway One Strat neck bolted yeah, onto it. That's right. And I put a black scratch plate on it. I put hot rails in the bridge, but other things. I'd wired it volume, volume, and yeah, that's that was my sort of my backup for forever and then i actually did sell that on i'd actually let that one go oh really um, wow um, yeah and someone bought it which was amazing really because you know it's a random left-handed yes. parts cast that's no, like, yeah, no but exactly. still and that you you had seymour duncan hot rails in that in the bridge as well yeah because that's yeah. what you've gone for in the in the md1 in your manson signature model which is a kind of a, a, a t-style guitar kind of yeah so with the ones you can buy the, the md1 has it's sort of more stock hardware and pickups so it's got seymour duncan pickups in it the md2 is the same guitar but it's just got premium hardware and it's got um psychopath brand pickups in it which is the manson manson's own brand and that's got um their equivalent it's actually i actually prefer it 
God's Honest Truth. I prefer it. it um, it's got a psychopath, what's it called? A British Rail Iced Tea, which is their tea style dual blade humbucker, telly style. And they do a, they do, um, they do a tea. I think it's, yeah, it's a British Rail's tea, and the, which is a bit hotter, which I started right. off with, but it was a bit too aggro, believe it or not. I was like, it's great, <laughs> but it only does one thing. It only does like the like the really sort of because it's a ceramic humbucker, and it's really barky, which is awesome. But there's no, I didn't find it to be when you back the volume off or anything. I didn't find it to do anything. Like I find that ceramic rails humbuckers have this kind of irritating bark to them when um, when you do anything but full pelt. Right, and that's okay. great. But if you've just got dynamics, you, doesn't work too well. Yeah, so if you're tr- exactly, it's kind of great for just balls to the wall stuff. But then anything else, you kind of like neck pickup. Um, so the the cool rails is kind of a, a lower output version of that, which does that thing, but also cleans up a lot better. Um, as that's what's in the MD2. I think I think they offer that in the MD2. Um, they might put the hot one in there just to just to completely contradict me. But um, yeah, that's the one I that's the one I use in mine. And it's got a benchmark in the neck, which is like their PAF style. And my, you know, my signature one just has this groovy little cover on it, which makes it look kind of yeah. It looks great. It looks really vintage. A bit Cybertrony, yeah. C- cyber, yeah. A bit, a bit. Um, looks like a, what's it called? A Cylon from uh, Battlestar Galactica. It looks like a bit like one of their faces. <laughs> okay. Is it a Cylon? Is that what they're called? I, I don't know. I don't know. Again, I, if it's not Hook or uh, okay, it looks like Rufio. Looks right, like, okay, there you looks, go. It doesn't look like Rufio. It's <laughs> the only hook reference I could think of quick to hand. But you know what I was talking about. So. Yeah, I knew um, Yeah, and uh, yeah, so, but the, they do come with Seymour's as, as, um, as an option instead, which is, right. you know, a more affordable option. Um, we're actually, we're, re, we're, we're working on a sort of semi-redesigned MD model right now, actually. That's that's really cool. I mean, it's, you know, you're, you're obviously the... I think you're the the still the newest signature model by Manson. Um, yeah, they they haven't really they haven't they really branched do- out with anybody else. I mean, obviously they've got the John Paul Jones bass. Yeah, um, they've got a million and one Matt Bellamy guitars. Yeah, and yeah, the the MD is kind of you easily oh. the the most accessible the priced um signature model that you can get from Manson guitars was that like was that a deliberate thing were you trying to make this a the a more sort absolutely of, yeah. yeah absolutely and to be honest the the one the things we're working on hopefully we're looking to um, bring out a more even more affordable model wow that that's fantastic i think that's a really important thing to have with a signature model guitar like as a, as a bass player and as a massive led zeppelin fan i would i would love to uh, own a, a john paul jones um but it's not really my style and at 2400 pounds it's it's you know that's too much money for me to spend just to have something with his name on it yeah um so i, I love the fact that you'd be going in at kind of an affordable price point there have been artists in the past who have done that who have had that idea that they want to make they want their signature model to be something that everyone can buy and i've always really respected that i think that's a really cool thing that's 100 percent. because you know i'm not i'm not under any um any apprehension that you know putting my name on something is going to sell ten thousand units in the first you know is you know it's a niche i play in i'm a kind of 
a weird guitar player in a niche band, a relatively unheard of band globally. So I wouldn't expect anything that I put my name to to be like a, a slam dunk for a, for a brand to kind of expect to sell thousands and thousands and thousands of, you know. But the ones that they, the ones we do put out, obviously I want people to be able to afford to buy them. And I want them to, again, I just want stuff that has an attitude about it, is versatile to a point and is affordable and people, you know, people can afford to get it that's really important yeah it's i mean it's it's a wonderful crossbreed of like modern and traditional stuff which i you know i'm a big fan of like i think um yeah trying to make something that's that's kind of got those those nice features that make it reliable Mm -hmm. more playable but without you know i I love the way old stuff looks so kind of coupling those two things together i think is a is a really cool important thing absolutely yeah you and you went for like you know it's an ebony board as well on on the on the MD yeah one and and two as well yes is... so I think that when we decided to do that it was in around that time where the CITES thing was like on overdrive ah, and it was kind of we can choose because every guitar I've ever really fallen in love with for the most part was either ebony or rosewood right and I don't have a lot of guitars that have maple fretboards. Um, I've got a couple, I like my old Fender, my old telly's got maple one and it's kind of, it's cool because it's old and it's kind of got that kind of shiny but beaten up vibe to it and it's got yeah. chunks of it missing. But generally <laughs> new, new maple neck guitars I really struggle with because they just kind of, I don't know what it is. I haven't, other, with with, um, with the exception of like a music man that I tried that, that seemed to, seemed to do the thing. Um, I tend to just feel like, I feel a bit more at home on a, on a rosewood or ebony board straight sure. away like with a couple of weeks worth of sweat in them from playing it's like yeah this is right whereas with the right. maple stuff it's kind of never it, i don't know it never really seems to soak up the sweat no and no i agree yeah it always feels a bit slippery to a me a bit pristine uh, a bit um i don't know I, I don't know what it is and obviously i don't own a stack of vintage guitars um so yeah if it's something new it has to I generally get on better with it's not a tonal thing per se because i don't i, I like the look of maple I, I you know I don't dislike the sound of it if you like but it's more of a feeling how it feels in your hands thing and when you're playing something all the time and you want to you need some familiarity there so um yeah just the rosewood and we went with them ebony purely because I'm I'm a fan and we were trying to get around um an availability and exportability uh, conundrum that CITES was presenting right and then you know as it as it went uh, it wasn't a problem in the end, and I think I think Cites actually have relaxed the rosewood thing. Am I right in thinking? Yeah, that's that, that's correct. I, like, uh, you know, what? we haven't mentioned anything about it on the podcast because I think we started getting press releases through from various brands about the fact that this was around the corner so so long ago that sort of i think it's happened and we've just forgotten to actually talk about it because it was something that no one could talk about for so long so yeah, right I think well I, and obviously i'm assuming that people listening are kind of completely familiar but the, obviously yeah. the cites um it's uh it's a board of uh, that the, that protects certain species of certain things is that right uh, and yeah. so and so certain species of woods were considered high risk or you know close to extinction and certainly largely due to the furniture business really right. rather than the guitar business because of course the very small about right small amount of rosewood that actually gets used by the right the guitar industry is... so rosewood was put on a protected list and as such manufacturers who were 
move, you know, exporting things with Rosewood on them had problems doing that. So, um, yeah. So, but I think they've relaxed on that now a bit. So, yeah. yeah. Um, ebony. I actually prefer the look of ebony, if I'm honest, because it's it's tr- it's genuinely more dark. I think rather yeah. than rosewoods uh, i just prefer the darker looking rosewoods you know i'm not a fan of it when it kind of gets a bit more orangey looking oddly enough. yeah yeah definitely rosewood can you can get some bad rosewoods <laughs> yeah. of, uh, like it just looks kind of cheap and like yeah. looks dry yes i like that kind of like looks moist all the time exactly <laughs> looks like and it's you've been oiled <laughs> <laughs> and and ebony essentially gives you that all the time so yeah, yeah and it's kind of got that cool snap to it as well that I like. yeah. so yeah i can't believe i'm I'm, ta- I'm talking with this much detail about woods what have i become <laughs> what have i become <laughs> unfortunately this is yeah this is the problem with being a guitar nerd you do find yourself yeah so, <laughs> you know at least you at least it's me at least you haven't got stuck in a 50 minute chat about capacitors with matt knight you know so, oh yeah yeah we, i've we been could, there it's, it's it's terrible we could do you can, that you can't we, get out we could do that. anyway that uh, that that does actually uh that, that brings us up to all the time that we have on uh, this week's episode of the friday special so it's been absolutely wonderful to have you on mikey thanks, thanks for thank you very much for for taking the time to come and chat with us thanks for having me dude oh. you know me i love it yeah, well, we'll you know we'll definitely have you back again, and and you know, me and Mikey spoke just before we started this podcast about doing a, another episode, maybe with Mikey and Adrian Thorpe from Thorpe FX together. So it'd be fantastic if we get you guys back on a little bit later for something like that. Yeah, if you know, he's the bigger nerd of the pair of us, and I just typically bring the tone down. So it'll be, <laughs> it could be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can check out uh, Redbeard FX at at redbeardeffects.com um, so go and do that and get yourself a, you know absolutely if you haven't checked out the honey badger make sure you check out the the honey badger you know and obviously the red mist mark 4 as well with the honey badger being the new pedal and you can of course catch more guitar nerds over on our patreon at patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds or you can join us on any of the major social platforms with at guitar nerds and we'll be back next week with our regular episode on wednesday and another friday special on friday We'll catch you then for more of this guitar nerdery. Farewell. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.